0: Welcome back to Mastering Retail, a podcast brought to you by Digital Commerce at Essential. If you tuned into our last episode, you should be familiar with the word Omnichannel, which describes a retailer who sells through different channels. When it comes to winning on Walmart, understanding Omnichannel is mission critical because you have to understand how Walmart thinks and operates in order to win.
1: How to serve a customer more effectively in a way that is convenient for them, and that's really central what Omnichannel is all about.
0: For this episode, I have an Omnichannel expert with me to help me learn more about this Omnichannel buzzword, some would even say, who even worked for Walmart and Sam's Club for some time. You'll also hear his three key points for success when it comes to Omnichannel. Before we roll, let me set the scene for you. We are in Rogers, Arkansas in a dark studio and there is a roaring thunderstorm occurring outside. Got the nice thunder going in the background. (laughs) Despite that, my guest and I were lit up with excitement to get the conversation going. I'll allow him to introduce himself.
1: My name is Scott Benedict, and I'm the vice president of partnerships for White Spider, and have been with the company now for coming up on about five months. We view partnerships in two ways internal, inside the essential family, and then with external companies. And in both cases, what uh, i'm charged with helping to to do is bring together the capabilities of not only white spider but those of our partners as well to find new and expansive ways to serve our clients to help them be more successful on walmart.com and through others members of the essential family other platforms uh, as well so really trying to make those connections to benefit our clients is key to, to what i do
0: I already mentioned that Scott worked for Walmart and Sam's Club, but that's not all.
1: I actually spent a lot of time within Walmart and Sam's Club and was part of the team that started walmart.com and was also uh, with samsclub.com for a period of time. But right before I joined White Spider, I was actually the director of the Center for Retailing Studies at Texas A&M University. So that was kind of a neat opportunity to help develop the next generation of retailing leaders and. Really enjoyed that, but kind of missed the Northwest Arkansas area, have known the team at White Spider for years as friends and colleagues. And when the opportunity came up to, to join the team, I just jumped at it because I'm, I'm really excited to be involved in the work that we're doing.
0: And before we get into Omnichannel, I'd ask one of my recurring questions for this series. What is the last thing you purchased from Walmart?
1: Actually, my son is a huge fan of Kellogg's Special K cereal. Specific? Yes. You maybe you didn't want to know that much detail, but I'm shooting it anyways. <laughs> and so I picked up a box of that at our uh, Walmart neighborhood market right here between our office and, and my home and uh, got, got him set up for breakfast uh, for the next week or so
0: that the one like the strawberries, it has this little strawberries in it.
1: It has strawberries and a couple other flavors in it that he just he he very specifically wants that flavor of uh Special K and has been a fan of that since he was a little boy. He's he's twenty one now, he's an adult, but he he's loved that cereal since he was a little boy. So
0: all right, I'm gonna ask you a question now and we'll come back to it at the end. But just something that's been on a digital wish list of yours you won't you won't actually buy it but it's always either in your mind or on a tab on your computer if you're like me but you just will not actually purchase it but we'll come back to it okay you. sounds good
1: so it's like foreshadowing in literary terms right yeah gotcha fancy mm-hmm.
0: I like it so now I've hyped up omnichannel and I've already used the word omnichannel at least eight times but what does omnichannel actually mean?
1: Well, I think the term, as most leaders in the, in the industry use it, is meant to kind of talk about allowing a consumer to shop when, where, and how they choose and the work that we in the retail community are involved in to make that happen and make that possible. But the core of it is how to serve a customer more effectively in a way that is convenient for them. And that's really central to what Omnichannel is all about.
0: And that can mean consumers wanting to shop on an app, in a store, online, all over the place.
1: Or a combination thereof. Uh, A lot of consumers, particularly those uh, that shop at Walmart, may begin their digital journey or their shopping journey in a digital format on either their desktop computer at home or on a mobile app when they're on the go but ultimately pick up that purchase at a physical store. And Walmart and a lot of other retailers have really made significant investments in infrastructure to make that happen, to make that available to them because that's a way a consumer in many cases wants to shop, particularly those families that are really time pressed and for whom that is an incredible time save and a, and a convenience. And so making that possible is, is, is a big deal.
0: Walmart has been an omni-channel retailer for some time, but the way that people shop has definitely changed due to the pandemic, where it wasn't as safe as it once was to physically go to a store to get what you need. I asked Scott about how consumer shopping behavior has changed because of the pandemic.
1: I think the fact that the pandemic was really a part of people's lives, well, it still is in many instances, but it was for, for two years and most uh, psychologists say a habit takes 21 days to manifest and we've had m- well more than 21 days for this to change but the convenience of it and the trust that a lot of retailers have earned on the part of the consumer that says hey you've you've taught your associates to go pick f- fresh items for me to p- pick fruits and vegetables things i would normally only do myself I now have confidence that, that you at Walmart or other retailers, they, you can do that very, very well. And so now, particularly for those folks that are time-starved, for people who are maybe still part-time in the office, part-time working at home, this kind of convenience is, is going to stay. Yes, people are returning to stores, and it's interesting to watch the retail trade press. So, oh, e-commerce is falling back down. No. It's a comparison on any given day or, or what was going on the year prior in a very dynamic situation. But overall, Omnichannel is clearly at another plateau and it's going to remain part of, I think, consumers' lives moving forward.
0: This podcast is all about providing suppliers with the information they need to win on Walmart. But a lot of the innovation that occurs within Omnichannel comes from the retailers themselves. And then suppliers have to just adapt and figure things out. I asked Scott how he would advise suppliers to manage this, and he actually told me about one of the most important interactions that a consumer has on their omni-channel journey.
1: Well, it's it's interesting because if you've been involved in e-commerce for as long as I have in my career, you can recall days where an item detail page was a very bare-bones, rudimentary way of telling the story of a product on a web page. And technology has enabled brands through retail partners like walmart and others to really go very very deep in a discussion about the item its attributes, what it can be used for uh, in the case of general merchandise items. Here's what it looks like assembled versus in, in its box. Here's what it looks like being used. You can kind of create uh, use case ideas f- for the consumer. You can use rich media elements like video, ratings and reviews obviously play an incredible role in that. So the the product detail page has become ultimately incredibly more sophisticated i would argue that every other aspect of digital every other aspect of e-commerce all exist to drive a consumer to the product detail page because that's where the decision to buy or not buy or where the page influences a purchase you may not hit the buy button on the, on the digital device, you may be using it as you're there in a physical store and you get the information that allows you to make that purchase decision. I think the power of that specific part of, of e-commerce and digital retail is the, the power of the product detail page.
0: Before we get into Scott's three key points on how to achieve omnichannel success, I had to ask one more question about Walmart. With so many physical locations, all 4,700 something of them, I would assume that Walmart would have an advantage when making omnichannel operations work. But that's not everything there is to Walmart's success. Would you say that Walmart has like the most significant advantage when it comes to omnichannel just because of how large their physical presence is?
1: That is certainly a, a presence, but I think also. As a former Walmart associate, I got to see a lot of studies and surveys about how customers felt about Walmart. And Walmart has, over the 60 years of its existence, learned a lot of trust on the part of consumers. And they've also always operated with this kind of mindset of never being too satisfied, never being content with anything, always looking for a way to improve the business. And I think those are good qualities, both in an individual and in a a company to, to really, if you say you're all about the customer and serving the customer, that's great. But do you act upon it? And the thing that I've observed both when I was inside the company and now as an outside observer is there's always a desire to refine and improve. Aspects of the business to serve a customer. And if, if you never are one to kind of rest on your laurels, but always trying to improve things, that's a formula for success in any kind of business, retailing or, or anything else. Most certainly in retailing, I would think.
0: Let's get into Scott's three key points. First up,
1: making sure if you're with a consumer brand that you're leveraging the best possible expertise on how to drive your business that you can find. The algorithms and a lot of the back office technology of Walmart is different than, for your example, you work every day a lot on the Amazon business. Walmart and Amazon are not identical. There's a lot of common elements to success for a brand, but there's unique elements. So using a team that has expertise and understands how to win on the platform that you're thinking about or that you're focused on, on any given day that absolutely i think is number one you're going to make me go into two and three or do you want to <laughs> you're thinking about it i'm I thinking about it. it
0: follow-up question would be just how do you find that expertise and do you have to partner with an agency do you do you need to? I mean, I'm sure you're going to be like, yes, please, pardon. my MVP of partnerships. Well, you, you, do, partner. you do know
1: that White Spider is who pays my salary. So, of course, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. But <laughs> I also mentioned I've been a friend of the company for years before I came to work here. And it's because I saw that that's what the company does. That's what we do. That's what our, our Skew Ninja platform enables. Yeah. So more thunder. Hopefully, whoever is <laughs> listening to this listens, <laughs> listens to it on a sunny day because it's not a sunny day here. But that getting to know white spider as a friend and a, and a colleague before coming to work here is part of why i wanted to come here because i felt that the work that we do is so critical to the question that you answered and why i'm so proud to be a part of the team because i know not only do we have tremendous technology but we have expertise that doesn't exist elsewhere that understands walmart and its platform in ways that a lot of other companies don't so it may appear a little self-serving that i sound like a commercial for white spider but i'm totally okay with it and i actually (laughs) believe it and i would believe it even if it didn't work here
0: is there any way for us a survivor a supplier to (laughs) survive the word was coming i had that in my head Any way for a supplier to survive without this help
1: well yes i think it's always possible to just be present to, to have a page, to have your, your images, your copy, and at and the, the rate that e-commerce is growing, you'll be moderately successful. And if good enough is good enough for you, then yeah, go right ahead and do that. I'll just say, I'll probably going to pray for you because the world is becoming a more competitive place, not a less competitive place. And there's a lot of brands that are really leaning in to this aspect of the business. And the thing that's different with Walmart suppliers versus Amazon is they've got to think about both digital and physical retail. They don't get to choose one or the other, their success on the Walmart platform. It sounds like I'm talking about just the digital platform. No, Walmart is a retailer across physical and digital. If you're not willing to do the things to to really be successful and to serve clients or serve your customers, somebody else probably will.
0: Okay, so the thunderstorm isn't getting better during this interview. So let's get it over with once and for all. Ah, that's better. Let's get back on track. Once you've leveraged the best platform expertise you can find, that sets us up for Scott's second point, which is understanding how to best leverage internal versus external resources to your advantage beyond just finding the expertise.
1: The second thing is really kind of the what we were just talking about, making sure you make good decisions on how you invest the time, effort and resources of your team where you need to have capabilities inside your team, where you can use outside agencies and companies like White Spider, and Flywheel and others to to be successful. Those are, I think, decisions that on the part of team leads, someone who's responsible for the Walmart and Sam's Club business every day, make those thoughtful decisions and be adaptable to the fact that a good decision today may not be good six months from now, may not be good a year from now but think it through, be adaptable, and make investments that are directed towards driving the whole business with Walmart instead of just one piece of it.
0: Before we get into Scott's third point, I needed to know more about what it's like as a supplier to work with an omnichannel retailer. How are points of contact set up with Walmart when the Walmart teams are probably pretty siloed, representing the physical store and digital marketplace of Walmart separately? Or are they?
1: This will tie back to my experience at Texas A&M and being a, an educator uh, for a few years. I argued very strongly both with our administration and a lot of the corporate partners that we work with that the skills that tomorrow's leaders in our industry needed could not be segmented in this is a brick-and-mortar expert and this is an omni- or a digital expert they really have got to become more intertwined because that's the way the business is headed. Now, among the the leaders and the professionals running the business today, you're seeing a lot of both retailers and consumer brands consolidate those teams into one kind of holistic, Or owner of the business and and driving results. And so you're seeing that it's not quite siloed to use your word, (laughs) which I've been known to use myself. Teams are becoming less siloed, both at retailers and consumer brands. We see it here in Northwest Arkansas with a lot of teams that support Walmart and Sam's Club, as well as Walmart and Sam's Club themselves. Those teams are very much consolidated in merchandising, in marketing and operations and supply chain and various other functions. So I I guess how I answer your question is it's evolving and changing and the expertise that's expected of leaders in our industry is that they aren't overly segmented. They understand both.
0: As a recap, Scott's first point was that suppliers need to find the right platform expertise. His second point was that suppliers need to figure out what resources they have and what tasks need to be internal versus external. This brings us to Scott's last point, which is different from what I've heard so far throughout recording this podcast series.
1: You know, a lot of brands in this area invest in interns and internships to create a pipeline of talent on their team, just like Walmart and other retailers do. And my third thing you must do is don't, view that as a passive investment. Oh yeah, we're going to have some interns and you know, it'll be nice. Those are the future leaders of your business. And just like we were talking about earlier, getting them exposed to the business. And then obviously if they're good, hiring them as as permanent members of your team, once they get out of school, that kind of management of talent on your team is going to become more and more important because the, the competition for high quality talent nationally as well as here in northwest arkansas where every team wants to have the best people so they can drive their business at walmart and sand club well the competition for talent is going to become more not less intense so doing things like internships and hiring decisions have got however deliberate and thoughtful they had to be before they need to be more so today because the, those Those talent decisions, those hiring decisions will drive your business in the future in ways that you can't even imagine today.
0: When I think about that, I 100% agree with you, but I also like, I was that kid. And then (laughs) now I think I'm here and this is great, you know, but like to actually ever be in retail leadership, that's like, it feels like it's gonna be like 40 years down the road.
1: (laughs) It's like, there's this
0: big kind of gap. And of course you're working your way up as far as you can. But I always I'm like, yes, we invest in the future. And then I was the I am the future. Yes. And I'm like, yes, I will fix your titles and your bullets for you. (laughs) (laughs) But do you think my real question out of that was, do you think that retail leadership, like the average age of retail leadership will kind of crawl its way younger over time?
1: No. And here's why. And this is going to appear to be self-serving because I am slightly older than you, but. I think that having historical context and understanding holistically of, of retail means that a combination of leaders on your team that are at various states or stages of, of their career means that everyone has a perspective rooted in where they are in that journey that can be valuable to a team. And even though we're in a very digital world stores still matter understanding physical retail still matters and in many cases great sales leaders are great consultants and counselaries to to go a little mafia uh, on you there <laughs> are great counselors to their merchants to their buyers because particularly if they have a more holistic view of the industry and of the business and really understand their category not just their items or their brand but understand the category holistically, they can be such valuable partners to their retailers, to their buyers. That becomes just another way to deepen a relationship with your retailers that as a former buyer, I can tell you, I I had those people. I had those, those uh, supplier partners who weren't just a supplier of merchandise, but they were counselors, they were guidance <laughs> I don't want to call them guidance counselors, but they really were smart friends who helped you be successful and in some cases would advise you with a level of candor that maybe you wouldn't get from other other places but needed to hear to be successful. So I think that that's kind of a a valuable thing.
0: So what you're saying is that I still have 30 to 40 years until I'm Doug McMillan?
1: Yes. Well... Okay, may not be forty, but you do have. And, and bear in mind, I haven't given up competition, even though I'm five years older than Doug. But uh, <laughs> we all want to be the CEO, right?
0: No, but, I'm. I'm <laughs> I know,
1: but yeah. And I told my students this at, at Texas AM It's the one thing I absolutely love about retailing. No matter what role you play in the ecosystem, is it's never dull. It's always exciting. It's always changing. And I, I've met enough folks in my career that know that's whether you're a brand, a product manager, a salesperson, a buyer, a marketer, it doesn't matter what your role is, this is a really exciting industry. And this is a very exciting time to be involved in it because our business, our industry is evolving so very rapidly.
0: My last business focus question for Scott before we wrapped up was, you're a supplier, how do you measure success in Omnichannel? I feel like there's a lot of little factors Large, little <laughs> big factors that go into that?
1: Yeah, I, good question. I, I think ultimately you can look at a lot of engagement figures through through web analytics to understand who's arriving at your page, where did they come from, what action did they take, did they press a buy button or not, did they go and buy in a physical store based on that page, but did something happen as a result of engaging? your page or your brand or your items uh, online and what did that lead to i was involved in web analytics as part of my e-commerce business and there's a term called bounce rate which is someone went onto your site and then left without ever consummating a transaction bounce rate is bad but it's an important measurement to say did what the consumer the user of the site encountered compel them to make a buying decision or did you send them to a competitor or something like that i think those are those metrics that are engagement and traffic related really tell a story about whether you're all the work you're doing is driving towards a business result and serving a customer well
0: and we are back to his digital wish list all right, we're going back to your digital wish list. Yes. That thing that you just won't purchase and why?
1: There's a lot, of, a lot of things that could be there, but here's the thing. A lot of folks through the pandemic with the increased use of Zoom or other platforms like Zoom either did or did not put an effort behind what their persona was, what they looked like to other folks that they were talking to on their on their computers and i debated whether to invest in you know those those ring lights that (laughs) that give you you're laughing uh those ring lights that you can buy
0: yeah they make you look better
1: that make you well they look they make you look better than a dark silhouette or you've got light on half of your face because your window's on this side of your face and on the other side it's dark and I've debated whether to make that investment in one of those ring lights because you keep hoping, well, oh, I'll be doing less online chats going forward because the pandemic's coming in. No, it's, it's not. Even as the world gets better, our ways of working have changed, and I need to invest in one of those lights, but I haven't quite. I got a really cheap one once. I returned it in seven days. It was, it was so bad. But I just I'm, I need feel like I need to make the investment in those lights, and then a cool microphone like what we have here in our studio. Having a, a great microphone at home to really make your voice as well as your appearance come through great on Zoom calls or Google Meets or whatever platform you're you're, you're using. So that's my confession that you got out of me on that topic.
0: Last question: What is the best part about living in Northwest Arkansas?
1: Here's what I'll tell you, and I have, bear in mind, I have context as I answer your question of having lived here now three different times. I just moved back here to, to join White Spider. So this is the third time I've lived in this in this area. And I, uh, how I answer your question is, is, there's a lot of exciting things going on in this area. The area is growing. It's becoming more diverse. There's a lot more things to do and entertainment options. And, and as a result, we're drawing a lot of different people from different parts of the country. So it's a much more diverse area now. Uh, it's not just everybody has a, a big bolt buckle and an F-150. I mean, that's that was kind of the Arkansas I arrived at when I first came here in the late 90s. But now it's just, it's, it's a growing, really exciting dynamic place to be. And even though the price of the living has gone up a lot, it's still a lot more affordable than a lot of other parts of the country and the people are just great. People are nice and they're they're a lot of fun and it's a great place to, be, to raise a family. My children grew up here and I don't know that they'll ever leave. They love it here too, so.
0: That wraps up another episode of Mastering Me Too. I know we intro this podcast season by saying that we're here to help you grow your e-commerce business, but. Hopefully you've picked up by now that not everything, especially when it comes to Walmart, purely revolves around e-commerce. In our next episode, we're going to get into catalog management, which will bring us closer to the digital side of your business on Walmart. Please continue to listen to this podcast to keep learning about winning on Walmart, and feel free to like, subscribe, follow us, all of that fun stuff. I am still your host for this series, Emma Irwin. You can find me at emma.erwinadessential.com and feel free to reach out to get connected to someone within Digital Commerce Ad Essential who can help solve your business needs. The producer for this episode was Klaus Kanzel and our sound designer is Ina Satengi. See you next time.